Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Now, we have been studying in the book of Leviticus, and currently we are in that 23rd chapter. And by the way, at our study center in Israel, as we approach the Chagim, the biblical festivals, what's called Moadai, which means my festivals, says the Lord, we have been studying as well this 23rd chapter. And in some ways, it's it's easier to teach it in Hebrew rather than in English because the words are known and the intent of them are also easily discerned when you're looking at the original language. We're going to be dealing with a passage which in Leviticus 23, which is somewhat difficult because there is a foreign culture that most people come to this text with that makes it difficult and terminology sometimes words even though they're different in the original language for example the term bikorim first fruits and the word rashit meaning the first well many times in english they are translated in the same way they are used interchangeably but they have a very different meaning so with that said let's explore this second session of of leviticus chapter 23 where we begin in verse 9 leviticus 23 and verse 9 where it says the lord spoke to moses saying we've spoken about how this is a term of revelation god is speaking to moses what moses is called to teach and reveal to the people verse 10 speak to the children of israel and you shall say unto them for when you enter into the land now that expression has serious implications first of all there are commandments for example the commandments that we're going to be talking about now in this section of chapter 23 that they can only be observed in the land that's why it says for when you enter into the land some of the commandments are not able to be kept in galut in exile in the diaspora only in the land and there's not just a few of these there are many that biblically speaking they can only be fulfilled if you are in the land for example shemitah now shemitah is when you let the fields lie fallow in the seventh year now people practice that all over the world but that doesn't mean that they are keeping it in a biblical sense because 
it's only in regard to the land of israel now is it acceptable to apply that to other lands sure is it useful sure but is it mandatory it is not so we have to make a distinction an important distinction between actually keeping fulfilling a biblical commandment and utilizing that commandment wherever we may be for a benefit there is a difference between them so let us remember that as we move on look again in the middle of verse 10 for when you enter into the land which i am giving to you now again when we look at this in the original language we see that it's no 10 i am giving it's in the present tense i realize many of the christian scholars will say it's in the present participle again the terminology is not what's important what's important is identifying it in the present tense and when we do that whether we call it a participle or not when we notice that it's in that construction whatever that present construction appears in the scripture it emphasizes it so in order to understand it based upon the language the original language we need to emphasize what it says here that i speaking about the lord the god of israel i am giving to you and he says here and when you harvest its harvest now it's the term for harvest but there's a third person singular feminine any so we're talking about its harvest meaning the harvest of the land what are you to do and you shall bring the omer now omer is an important word we're going to encounter it frequently in the next few verses and an omer is well there's a old hymn that says bringing in the sheaves and this is a sheave and omer is a sheave we're speaking about part of the harvest that that one uses in the the purpose of grain and such well this is what it's talking about here and it says read carefully when you bring in the omer the sheaf reshit meaning the first of this this harvest your harvest you you bring it to the priest now reshit has a technical use we have concluded the study of passover and we began last week before we concluded this this first study in leviticus 23 we concluded with the feast of unleavened bread but now we're talking about an observance that takes place and hear this carefully within those seven days of the feast of unleavened bread so we have not uh, abandoned the feast of unleavened bread we are speaking about a commandment now be careful because this commandment concerning a specific day is not a chag it's not a yom tov it's not a festival it's not treated as a shabbat obviously for what's being commanded to do you couldn't do this on shabbat so it's speaking about a day and a commandment that you observe 
this commandment on a specific day but it's not a high sabbath it is not a festival sabbath it is not a day where work is forbidden but it is part of the feast of unleavened bread so he says that when you come into the land he says that you shall bring the omer the first of your harvest to the priests so you go out and we are told by the sages of old how much of the harvest the first part of the harvest on that first day must you give to the priests and it says believe she were which means without measurement there are certain things that do not have a specific amount or measurement attached to it you can uh, do what you want in regard to the amount but the first day what you harvest it's spoken of here that this you're supposed to bring to the priest and keep reading what does he do look now to verse 11 they hate neef that is he waves it it becomes a wave offering and we learn again from the sages that a wave offering relates to victory it relates to joy it relates to deliverance so we see that this this first which is the first of the harvest it has a relationship to victory and that which brings joy so he shall wave the omer before the lord for your and it's a word for delight or acceptability or simply it can be the word for the will as in the will of god now some have said this that this special commandment on this special day we'll talk about that day in a moment when it is and how to arrive at it the proper calculations on this day we should think of victory we should think about acceptability before god being received by him acceptable to him and another important thing and that is the will of god us in some way being brought into the will of god and that's always a good thing when should we do it well now we have the time period it says me maharat ha shabbat now the term shabbat is controversial here because there's a machloket machloket is a a disagreement a differing of opinion if you ask what the rabbis say today they will tell you that shabbat in this usage is speaking about the high shabbat meaning the 15th day of the first month or we could say it differently the first day of unleavened bread which is a high shabbat but i would argue based upon what we're going to encounter in the future meaning tonight in this same passage it proves to us that it's not speaking about the high shabbat the festival shabbat but rather the typical shabbat and we'll see why in a few minutes but it says look at all of verse 11 and he shall wave the omer 
before the lord for your delight your acceptability or for your will meaning that the will of god is going to be placed upon you and you do this from the day after the shabbat i'm going to suggest to you that this shabbat is the typical seventh day shabbat it says he shall wave it who's he ha kohen the priests the priest shall wave it verse 12. now with this this special commandment to give the first of the harvest what's called reshit to the priests for this special observance notice something else is done look now to verse 12. and you shall do on the day of your waving the omer so when you give this this offering to the priests that he waves and it's the omer the first of your harvest and he waves it also that you are to offer up a sheep kevis that is perfect without blemish and that is one year old and you do this for a burnt offering unto the lord now that's not all that's done on that day notice something else verse 13 and a grain offering literally and it's grain offering so with this this sheep that's one year old without any spot it's blameless with it is also accompanied a grain offering that is two tenths of fine flour meat mixed with oil and this is called ishe ladonai a fire offering unto the lord it is a sweet fragrance and in addition to all of this also that you have a libation which is a liquid offering and it says wine how much wine a fourth of a hen so a fourth of a hen of wine as a libation so this is what's done on this special day what day me macharat hashabbat meaning the day after shabbat what shabbat again remember there's that disagreement judaism today of the rabbis say it's always on the 16th day of the first month the month of aviv the biblical name but also in the bible we have another name nisan for that first month so rabbinical judaism says this is always done on the 16th day of the month the first month now here's a problem with that and there's going to be several the first problem is this that no date is given if it is a fixed date why don't they give the fixed date like they do for other ones they do not here they do for passover they do for the first day of unleavened bread they do for for example yom teruah and also yom kippur and also the the feast of tabernacles and we can also discern because it's the day after this this shemeni atzeret this eighth day assembly is the day after the last day of the feast of tabernacles we know the date for that so all of this is provided except for this first day 
And what we'll find out is the last day of this counting. But let's move on. Look, if you would, to verse 14. With this, it says, bread and you might say roasted, roasted wheat, roasted barley, and uh, uh, grain which is not uh, roasted. It says, you shall not eat until the very this very day. So you cannot eat these things until you offer up these uh, these special offerings relating to the Rashid, the first day. And it says, until you bring the offering of the Lord your God. And it says here that this is a chukat olam. Many would say an eternal statute, an eternal law. But I would suggest to you that that term for eternal relates a kingdom statute. We find things out from this statue about the kingdom. So it's a kingdom statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. So here, this has relevance. Now, can you fulfill this outside of Israel? No, but it tells us until this day is fulfilled, you cannot eat of the new grain. Remember that. Verse verse 15. Now, it says here, you shall count for yourself, meaning it's a benefit to do this you shall count for yourself from the day after shabbat from the day that you brought the omer of this wave offering you shall count sheva that is seven full sabbaths there shall be now here's what's interesting we have the word shabbatot this is the plural of shabbat so you shall count seven full shabbatot well here's the problem there's no way to do that if this this word shabbat in this context means a high shabbat there is not in the next 50 days seven high shabbats there's none except the one that we'll speak about in a moment so you couldn't count seven and this is proof that the shabbat they're referring to is not a high shabbat as rabbinical judaism teaches but it's the typical seventh day shabbat look again he says you shall count for yourself from the day after shabbat from the day that you brought the the omer of the waving seven shabbats full that they shall be he says until notice verse 16 until the day after the shabbat which shabbat the seventh shabbat now this makes it clear you don't have seven high shabbat so shabbat here within this context has to be there's no dis way to disagree with this it has to be the typical seventh-day Shabbat. So look at verse 16. Until the day after the seventh Shabbat, you shall count. And if you do that, it's going to be 50 days. And on that 50th day, there's a special observance. He says, on that 50th day, 
you shall offer a grain a new grain offering unto the lord verse 17 from your dwelling places you shall bring bread the bread of the wave offering and the two tenths of the finely grounded grounded flour and it shall be now chametz you shall bake it as what the the first fruits unto the lord now this is the word bikurim we have to learn something the very first day of this counting and there's two things we count we count each day and each week how many weeks seven full weeks we saw that but also you count seven full weeks or 49 days and the next day the day after that seventh shabbat is the 50th day and this is what's called bikurim bikurim is the first fruit rashid is the first of the first harvest period so we're talking about the grain harvest wheat barley and what we find is during the feast of unleavened bread on the first sunday we might say the first day of the week after the normal shabbat shabbat of of the feast of unleavened bread so we see something the 14th day is passover what is passover we talked about this last week it is a day of preparation what do i mean by they that you prepare the lamb to be offered up and to be cooked and to be partaken of on the first day of unleavened bread then what do you do after that first day of unleavened bread you wait until the first shabbat what do i mean by shabbat not a high shabbat but the normal seventh day of the week the typical shabbat and therefore on that day we know something on the next day which has to be the first day of the week this is rashid so you have to wait for passover and then you wait for the first shabbat typical shabbat the shabbat during the feast of unleavened bread and the next day obviously if it's shabbat the next day is the first day of the week what's called by most in english sunday this is when the rashid is observed and by the way following that formula this is the day messiah rose from the dead and then what do we do beginning on that day that first day of the week after the shabbat during the feast of unleavened bread we count seven full weeks seven shabbats and also also the next day will be the 50th day when we have another observance and this is what we're talking about in our passage look if you would to verse 18 on that day that 50th day it says and you shall offer up upon the bread seven meaning concerning the bread with the bread we might say seven sheep 
that are without spot, that are blameless, that are one year old, and also a bull, the son of cattle, one. So one bull. Also two rams. And they shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And with it is your grain offering, their grain offering, and also their libation. So all of this is considered the fire offering, a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. What are we talking about? We're talking about Shavuot or Pentecost. Shavuot means the Feast of Weeks because you count seven weeks and the next day is the festival. Or you count 50 days and that 50th day is the festival. Look at verse 19. And you shall shall do a goat, one goat, on this day as a sin offering and two lambs the son of a a yearling meaning two sheep that are one year old for a sacrifice what type of sacrifice a peace offering so you have a sin offering and a peace offering along with these other offerings on that day verse 20 and the priests he shall wave them upon or with the bread which is the bread of the first fruits now this is the term bikurim not to be confused with reshit which is the first when you begin the harvest the term bikurim is the first of the harvest but not the first day of the harvest but the first harvest period so we see that in the springtime it begins during the feast of unleavened bread on that first day of the week after the shabbat during the feast of unleavened bread on that first day of the week you begin the harvest it is a seven week harvest and on the seventh shabbat the typical shabbat the next day is this festival day when these things are observed this is pentecost or the feast called shavuot and it says here look at verse 21 because up in this time we're not told that it's a high shabbat this shavuot this pentecost but notice what it says in verse 21 and you shall call on that very day this very day here it is again mikra kodesh mikra kodesh a holy assembly shall be for you how do we know it's treated as a high shabbat because all work of labor you shall not do now this tells us something we know that pentecost or the feast of weeks shavuot always has to be on the first day of the week so it's never on a shabbat but it's always treated the law of that day is sabbath law so it's the day after shabbat but it's treated nevertheless like a shabbat it says here all laborious work malachet avodah lo tasu do not do and again it says this is a chukat olam 
Most will say an eternal statue. I would translate it a kingdom statue in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. Verse 22. Now, verse 22 is going to be our last verse. And notice in this passage, we have attached to it a very, very important commandment. Now, what are we talking about? A harvest period of of wheat and or barley now when we look both are referred to biblically read the book of ruth in regard to this and notice what he says and in your harvest the harvest of your land do not completely the quarters of your field when you harvest and the gleanings of your harvest do not glean and the implication is completely now what is gleaning and harvesting well we need to know the difference now harvesting is when you go through and you harvest you take but things oftentimes are missed so the gleaning is when you go back and you take what you miss this is forbidden why this is the implication look again at verse 22 when it says lo techale pe'at satcha which means do not completely to the very end the corners of your fields you know harvest glean you can't do that why he's going to tell us why he says for the poor and the sojourner you shall leave them so when we talk about the corners here again you have to think in the right context we think of a quarter like four corners so if you imagine a piece of paper there's an upper corner on the right side and an upper corner on the left side and there's a lower corner on the right and a lower corner on the left so you have four corners this is not what this means we can think of the word pea here as a frame so you have a picture and that frame goes around it on four sides there's the top side the right side the left side and the bottom side when it talks about the corners of your fields it's talking about the four sides of your fields now the question that people always ask is this how much of a frame do i need to give just a little bit or a lot and this is what i mentioned earlier there is no measurement you can be as generous to the poor or do the minimal you can make that decision we according to the word of god have freedom in that because it's not specified and therefore we see the sages of old commented about this saying there is no measurement when examining the scripture so look again at verse 22 and when you harvest the harvest of your land do not completely the frame of your land when you harvest and the gleaning of your harvest you shall not glean 
So you can't go back what you miss. Or gleaning can also be what is dropped. When, according to biblical law, in this word for gleaning, if you drop something, I take this, but I dropped it, you have to leave it. You cannot pick it up. That's part of the gleanings that must be left for the poor. So the framework of your field, you leave whatever measurement you choose, and you don't go back to what you miss, and you don't go back and collect what you drop. All of this is for the poor and the stranger. You are to leave them. And why do we do that? Because I am the Lord, your God. So here we see that it's because of God's authority over us. He commands it, and we do it. Well, let me just simply point out one thing, and that is this. When we go back and we look at Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and what takes place in the midst of it, and what begins in the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when I say middle, I simply mean enduring it. It can be at the beginning, in the middle, or at the end, but during it. What do we know? Well, here's what's important. We see biblically that Messiah Yeshua, that he was crucified on Passover, the preparation day. He rose from the dead on Rishit, that is the beginning of the harvest. Paul tells us that, that he's their Passover lamb. And he also tells us in that same book of, to the Corinthians that he's also the first of the harvest. And remember that first of the harvest speaks of victory, acceptability, and the will of God being expressed and experienced. He's the only one that can give you victory. He's the only one that can deliver you. And he's the only one that can make the will of God a reality for you. And all of this is why he rose from the dead, or we could say was raised from the dead by God his Father on this day, on the first day of the week, on what's called the Rishit. And then we find out 50 days he poured out his spirit on believers on this festival none of this was by chance all of this is the providence of god so that we can understand better these days and the more you know about these festivals and these days of observance in the midst of the festival like rishit the rishit of the harvest the beginning the first of the harvest the more you learn about these things the more you can appreciate and understand the message of Messiah. What he did, why he did it on those days, and what we're supposed to understand from that. God is a God of precision. We need to remember that and cause that fact to cause us to take seriously the Word of God and how every part of it is written to us. There is revelation in the manner in which the Word of God was written down. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, 
loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.